I want our marriage to be a picture of the gospel in mm. our own broken, unique way. But I do want that. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number 17. The Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or hard to believe. Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. Listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled on your preferred podcast app. Visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more information. I'm here in my hometown of Burlington, Ontario, hanging out downtown in our village square. And as I walk these cobblestone streets, I realize that it has taken a village to ensure that See Here Love's mission and vision is shared across Canada, around the world, that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. As a body of Christ, there is hope for us to grow and reconstruct together. We couldn't do this work without you sharing life-changing stories of what Jesus is doing in people's lives, stories of hope and freedom and healing in areas that matter to me and to you. I want to have the faith to believe that His plan is good even when it's taking that detour that I don't really understand. We have so much more to do and so many more people to reach with the life-changing message of Jesus. For a monthly donation of $25 or more, you can help us do just that. And we'll send you a special thank you gift of our favorite things. Go to seeherelove.com slash give or call 1-800-265-3100 and join our See Here Love Village today. Well, welcome back to our very special Christmas series called With Great Expectation, Finding Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love This Advent Season. And this episode is all about love. Now, especially because it's the week of Christmas, and I'll be sharing the greatest gift I can give Chris, my husband. And no, it's not season's tickets to the Blue Jays uh, baseball team or the Buffalo Bills football team or even a Gibson J45 guitar. None of that. So you'll hear what I can give him as the greatest gift. But before I tell you what it is, I want, I want to introduce you to our very special guest, Lisa Jacobson in Oregon. She is an author, a speaker, the founder and host of Club31.com, an online community of Christian women authors. She is the author of the best-selling Loving Your Husband Well and 100 Words of Affirmation. I, I have to, I'm going to have to ask her, you, Lisa, about that. Your husband needs to hear Uh, She's a graduate of Western Seminary. Uh, Lisa lives with her husband, Matt, in the Pacific Northwest, where they have raised their eight children. Hmm. And together, Matt and Lisa are co-hosts of the popular Faithful Life podcast. Welcome, Lisa, to See Here Loves. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much. I appreciate the invitation. Okay, now, Lisa, one word to describe being a mama of eight kids maybe not just one word you can you can you know say a few more but what's that been like crazy (laughs) good one word good one word i almost use the word busy but then i think crazy is less a negative connotation than just busy okay are you the kind of mom like where I've seen on the reels and TikTok where they make the batches of food in the one big batch and then they they get it all together? They get like the grilled cheese and they go boo, duh, 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 like whatever that is. I'm like impressed by that. Do you do that? Like you have I, I guess you would have to do batches of food. 
yeah, we, I do make huge amounts of food and I try to double or triple it so that some other day I don't have to make it, but yeah. Okay. What's the, well, what's the, oh, go ahead. Well, it, we also all work together. So okay. it's not just me doing everything. My husband's super helpful. And even on my kids are, somebody's always game to help out. So I'm not in there by myself. Okay. Doing it. Okay. What's the easiest batches of food and a favorite, uh, a kid fan favorite that you make? Let's see. Well, spaghetti actually is still yep. a fan favorite. So I never go wrong with spaghetti. Last night I made meatloaf, which is another one that mm. the boys in particular are crazy about. So, wow. What's the age range, like the span for your for your children? So our oldest is 28 and okay. our youngest is 16. Okay. Wow. So you're kind of in that like teen but like adulting, like it's, it's, a, it's quite a span right now for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting, uh, yeah, I've got four, actually five now that are out of the house and okay. then three still home. So. Wow. And uh, imagine the day when they're all out of the house. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> it seems like somebody's always here. So it'll yeah. be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, before we talk about your latest book, which I'm really excited to get into and because it is Christmas, Lisa, and because it's all about love. Let's talk about a few, just like two Christmas questions I have for you. Number one, your favorite part or moment of the Christmas story. When you think about the Christmas story, I mean, all from the beginning and then, you know, up until Jesus' birth and then after, what would you say is like the moment in it you're just like, oh, I love that part? I love the part of when the shepherds are out in the fields and those angels come out and just start belting it out. I just love that so much. And I, I thought I was thinking about it this morning because I was thinking I knew you were going to ask this question. And I was thinking, why is it that I love that part so much? And I think, you know, maybe because I have eight kids and I feel like a little shepherd is sometimes, you know, out there in the field at night. And and you know, you think, does anybody see me? Does anybody even know what I'm doing here? And then it's like God goes, oh. I see you and I've got something really spectacular for you. I, Ooh. I just love that. I, I, I think that's too. what it represents. Oh, it just gave me chills, Lisa. Cause I, we forget that the shepherds were like the lowly shepherds, like yeah. the least of the, the least of them, you know, kind of doing the stinky job. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's why I just love that part. Mm. That's really good. I'm making a note of that's really good. And I think if 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 we even looked at more of the the Christmas story, we can kind of see more of those moments of the least and the most unlikely is who Jesus, you know, elevates and uses and brings into his story, which is the greatest story of all time, right? So I love that. It's really great. Thank you. Okay. Let me ask you this. What are your thoughts about, this is our anchor quote for this series. So the series is called With Great Expectation, Finding Hope, Peace, Joy, and Love This Advent Season. And our anchor quote comes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he says this about Advent. The celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul and know themselves to be poor and imperfect and who look forward for something greater to come. Hmm. When you hear that, what resonates with you about that in regards to love or for you personally or just within the Christmas story? 
Hmm. That is a, well, it's a beautiful quote and um, definitely resonates with me. It's interesting. I was just telling my family that I said, I'm just really looking forward to Christmas this year in a way I've never looked forward to it before. And so they looked at me and they said, why? Why do you suppose that is? And I, I do think now that even thinking about this quote that we've just been through a really difficult, long, difficult season. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know a lot of us have and, mm-hmm. and mine have some personal things in there as well. Yeah, that it would just really been hard. And I, I feel like, um, and yet God's been healing, God's been moving. And somehow this Christmas just feels like there's just this little spark of hope and there are good things to head. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that really resonates with me. And I think we need that more and more. Like, you know, I've talked to for so many people out of the pandemic and it's just been a hard two years. But even after, like, you know, I always remind people like, after the pandemic, it's can be even harder because you're trying to pick up the pieces and figure out the new rhythms and the new way and how do we do things and things have changed because of it. So now we're, we're now we're trying to like figure out, you know, so yeah. many things and mentally it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It really is. I think we're all feeling it and, and, uh, and many people have experienced just like I said, just even in the midst of the obvious losses and, you know, difficulties, just some, you know, different personal disappointments and grief. Yeah. So yeah. that's good. The hope. And I think, and, and I think too, it's going to be also at least just a sense of, you know, I've talked to Chris and our kids are just about like choosing a different way of thinking and a different way of rhythms and, and rest and, conversation and being present, all those things, right. That, that we need to be even more mindful of. Um, I mean, every day, but Christmas seems to be kind of that, that place where, you know, with that something greater is to come. So, (laughs) um, yeah, that's great. Thank you. Well, love, that's what the season is all about. And I love what Eugene Peterson says in his translation of the Bible, the message that love is moving into the neighborhood. I always thought that was such a beautiful picture of love moving into our neighborhood. And earlier I said that uh, I'm going to give Chris the greatest gift, Christmas gift this year. And if I had a drummer, uh, which Chris is too, he could just do a drum roll. Because really the greatest gift I can give Chris is loving him well, is loving my husband well. Uh, Which, Lisa, you've written about. And so let's go for it. Uh, Help me make, create, and then wrap up. I'm trying to do a present analogy. The greatest okay. gift for Chris, <laughs> loving him well. Now, when I say wrap up, it's not like it's an ongoing. Reading through your devotional is an ongoing, intentional of choosing and living it out. But I just wanted to, I love presents. It's one of my love languages. And so making, creating, and then wrapping up this present for Chris, I think would be the greatest gift I can give him. So like I said, you have 52 devotionals in this book. Um, and your husband has wrote loving your wife well. And I know that you've, you've mentioned like, um, working together, reading through the books together. Um, and I, we don't have time to go through the 52, which I love that you have an application in it and you have a and prayer and really easy and simple to read. So I've chosen eight that, um, I would love for you to help me and encourage me on in loving Chris well. Uh, these are ones that are personal, but also from conversations that I've had with my girlfriends at some of my dinner parties and hangouts where, uh, these are some of the challenging choices (laughs) 
in loving our husband well. So you you get me in my in my real honest place, um, Lisa. So here we go. So uh, out of the fifty two, here are the top eight, and love to chat with you. So number one is making him like a priority. <laughs> Oh, man. And I say this because I'm a busy content creator, uh, you know, busy social life, my own ministry. We're busy. And then with kids. And so priority is a big one. And it seems to be one, especially for busy women. So let's talk about that one. <laughs> okay. I, I, I hear you. In fact, I just had a friend that talked about putting her husband on her to-do list and, and I just laughed. I thought that's so funny. She said, I don't know if you'd appreciate, you know, hearing that and I probably not, but, but there is something to that, right? In mm-hmm. terms of, because when I think of my kids, for instance, I think of, okay, I want to make sure that this gets addressed, that this is uh, talked through, this is taken care of. Um, when I think through, I have you know, a website, I have writers. So I've, again, I've got my list of things that I want to make sure that time and attention is, 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 um, very purposeful. And so it's kind of easy in a marriage, right. To go, Oh, he's doing all right. Mm-hmm. You know, his hair's not on fire. So, and he's a big boy. So, mm-hmm. um, and yet, <laughs> and yet, um, in my husband's more vulnerable moments, he will say, I actually need to know that I matter. Hmm. I like to know that you want to be with me. Well, that's interesting. And, and that he said that I think in our earlier years, there are times where I communicated, you're interrupting me, whether I'm making a meal, whether I'm writing an article, you know, it's, it's like you're an interruption versus you are the man I love. Hmm chose you and of course you know of course I'm thrilled to see you even if you know I might have to do a let me just let me just take the stove you know the pan off the stove or let me just finish the sentence or whatever mm-hmm. it is because it does communicate you you know you you're the world to me right so communicating that and then how like practically when you are busy and there's responsibility how do you really practically make that a, him a priority? Like, is it date nights? Is it in the day you take out the time after work? Like, what does that practically look like? I am a very practical person, so I love practical questions. Okay. <laughs> so without sounding super mechanical, but okay, so let's talk about date night. Um, I do love date nights, and I think I need him maybe more than he does in some ways. Um, however... He's just not one to think through the evenings and like what's available, what's going to make sense. And I am. So I just go, I've just gone ahead and thought, okay, I know Thursday night the kids are taken care of and it's a good night for us to slip out or, you know, he doesn't have an early uh, meeting in the morning. So that's a great night. I just little, you know, logistically Mm -hmm. think that through. And then I let him know that we have a date night coming up and then he can plan it if he wants or I'll plan it. Mm Mm-hmm. The other thing I do is I, in terms of daily, um, we have coffee together every morning hmm. from 7.30 to 8. And that's our time, um, which for me will mean a little bit of sacrifice because I have to get up that much earlier to make sure I you know, get what I like to have done first thing in the morning. 
but I love our time together. Um, it's, um, it's a bit of a ritual that we have together. And uh, another time is, is in the evening. We make sure that we go to bed at the same time and allow for at least 30 minutes, maybe even an hour before we shut lights out just to either talk or maybe even just to watch a show. Um, but we're together. Mm-hmm. Um, and like with date night too, it's not necessarily always just like, you know, playing mini golf, going bowling or going to a movie, but it's would be more of an intentional time to just sort of connect yes. and see how each other's doing. Yep. I usually try to come with, um, she wasn't my list, but questions I want to ask and not, not just problem, actually not problem solving. We try to, save our problem solving for other times. So it really is okay. you're a person and I'm a person. Now, it might be there's something in my heart that I can't even get there until we at least address this one thing. And he'll be like, okay, you know, let's make this decision we need to make. Let's make it and let's spend the rest of the evening together talking about people things and what you're thinking about, what's on your heart, and what you're struggling with, just those kinds of things. Yeah. What, what are you dreaming about? Like, you know, I think you forget to ask those questions after a while. You just kind of get in that functional, logistical, you know, let's run this family business. Mm-hmm. That's good. Making notes. That's why I'm like listening, but I'm taking notes. Okay. The second one, loving our husband well, respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a big one. Like, you know, and, and, and my girlfriends, I have these conversations like, the challenging sometimes we don't respect their decisions, respect the way that they do things or, and so then respecting is harder to do when you don't respect. And there's a bit of a trust too on that they would make the best decisions or seeing how they make decisions in their life on a number of things. So what would you say as far as respect, um, you know, respecting your husband obviously is part of loving him well. I think it's easier to think about respect when we think about somebody else, maybe even a stranger, because you think, you know what? I want to communicate respect to this person, um, whether they're making poor choices right now, whether they've had a hard life. You know, I think that's something we're all increasingly sensitive to, actually, is having respect for other people, no matter what. However, I think the challenge is this when it's the guy next to you, right? Where mm-hmm. we then for them somehow we go, oh no, this is different. You know, you made a poor choice, and how can I respect you now that you know now we're in this predicament mm-hmm. because you didn't listen to me, for instance, mm-hmm. right? But again, that it actually is a choice. It, it's a choice saying you made a mistake, and then for me personally, I have recent experience. <laughs> that's why I can talk about it so uh, intimately. It's realizing, Lisa, have you have you ever made a mistake? Hmm. Have you ever done something you didn't listen to him and you just went ahead and, and you kind of regret that, you know? So yeah, I have and I do, and so I want to do the same for him, and still communicate respect, um, even though maybe it wasn't a, a decision I would have made. Hmm. Hmm. No, it's a good one because I think that's one of the things too where. Yeah, it's just a struggle like when those things happen, it's kind of like you you bank it like, oh, again and again and again, you've done that, 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 and that. And so there is that sense of less, you know, less respect for them. And so I think that taking a step back to look at your own self too, to say like, I don't sometimes make the best choices, but obviously having honest conversation. 
about that would be key. Yep. Yep. I think so. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Third one, humility. (laughs) Hard when you know you're always right, you know, like I'm always right. Uh, (laughs) So how do you, you know, be in that posture of humility um, and loving your husband well when, yeah, you just, I, I think for a lot of my girlfriends, we're very strong. We're very, we, we know what we want. We achieve things. Uh, and so, you know, humility can kind of be one of those ones where you're just like, it's a little hard when I know I'm right <laughs> all the time. <laughs> okay. So when you look at the Bible, it talks a lot about humility. Mm-hmm. There's a great emphasis on it. Right. And but what there isn't in, there isn't a great emphasis on being right. I just noticed this <laughs> one day. Yeah. And I thought, that's interesting. God does not value being right in the sense of, okay, let's say being right about the fastest way to get to Costco or mm-hmm. being right about what time the concert starts or, you know, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. And what he really values is walking in humility. And so I have to actually look at my values and realize and think, do my values match up with what God says his values are? And when you think of Jesus Christ, you think he was right, right? I mean, if he's not right, who is? And yet he still, in humility, walked his life here and and exemplifies that. Mm-hmm. So that's my personal challenge is um, is really looking at what are, what are my values? in is it lifting up the other person or is it being the one that's the best the right the fastest the smartest whatever it is that's good because at the end of the day you know you could be right but you could also have zero relationships (laughs) you could be absolutely 100 percent right and you have no one around you you know and a very loveless and you know, broken, I think marriage in that way. If that's, if that is what you want. Yeah. I see that. I like that being right versus, you know, the sense of humility of, yeah. Lifting up the other person and what's more important, the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's good. Okay. The biggie, which is the middle one desire. Now this has come up a lot with girlfriends, seasons, babies, perimenopause, menopause, Stress, body changing, low self-confidence in your body, everything. Let's talk about that one because I think that's a a big one that I think more women should discuss, you know, um, because it's a real thing. You know, and I I know that sometimes within church context, we don't talk about these things in, in a way that we should. So, you know, in loving my husband well, this, this sense of desire and intimacy, you know, and sexual connectedness. And if it's not there, there's a struggle or it's just, you know, what, what do you, what do you do? And this could be honestly, at least an entire podcast series for a year. So (laughs) you can, (laughs) so go for it, you know, (laughs) Um, solve the, solve the problem of all that. But yeah, what, what are your thoughts about that? It's a, it's real. You're absolutely right. And many of us struggle. And I don't think we were, I don't think as women, we were prepared maybe for all the different seasons, for all the different struggles that would come up. I think personally, I just thought it would just be, um, 
you know, get easier and easier, or it would be basically the same. And I had no idea that, you know, your husband could get depressed and lose interest. You could have babies and get touched out. You could just get busy and leave off with it. There's just so like you, you touched on many of those things and, and yet it is important. And there is a, there is only something intangible about that connection that, that once you are back connected, you go, why did we wait so long? Or why did we, why did we let this go? And, and, um, and so I am a fan of really promoting that and promoting the hard work of figuring out what do we need to do here? What changes do we need to make? What choices do we need to make? Um, so I think the first time this really hit me was, um, maybe not the first time, because I was pregnant with my seventh child. So <laughs> that would have been the first time. Uh, I felt we got through the pregnancies fairly well, but I, by the time I was had my seventh, I just had lost interest. Surprise, surprise, mm-hmm. right? And I just remember praying, actually praying that the Lord would renew my desire for my husband. Like physically, we just renew it because I, I just didn't have it, and and he did, and he answered that prayer. And it doesn't always work like that. I know that. I'm just mm-hmm. giving that out as one of the ways that I have tried to, to really seek um, help. And in that case, it was just by prayer that God would just give me the desire. And I think other times there, are, as we all know, there's physical reasons, you know, medications, natural remedies. So I know that's, again, that's a whole nother world, but I don't want to not acknowledge that because um, I think there's a real place for that. And um, and I I guess I would encourage people to, if you're not able to maybe figure it out with each other, it's to to get outside help. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, You know, whether that's a counselor, um, there's actually, like for women, there's some really great podcasts out nowadays. Uh, uh, Francie Winslow comes to mind. Uh, I don't remember the name of her podcast, but that's her name. And she uh, addresses Christian women about their sex life. Just really practical, inspiring, doable. So um, there's lot, lots more of those kinds of resources that there used to not be. And I would take advantage of them and not be shy about it. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think sometimes when you're talking about those areas, you know, it's uncomfortable. It's like having those, you know, talk with your husband about it and then then choosing to get the help you need. So there's, there's actually lots of choice and intentionality in, in choosing, but I'm glad that you put it in your book. Cause it's, it's an important part. And a lot mm-hmm. of times if you ask any husband or man, that's a very important part, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, of, of the marriage. So it's good. I'm thank you for putting that in on that perfect segue honesty. And I think that's a big one just as far as, you know, did you go shopping and how much did you spend? What are those hidden bags of clothes <laughs> under the bed? Honesty about feelings, honesty about all kinds of things. And sometimes, you know, you're in the relationship and you're just sort of like, well, I'll just share that with my girlfriend or I'll just share, you know, I won't, I don't need to share that. Or, and on the other flip side, at least it's like, I don't want to burden him with it. Or other times you're just like, oh, he might not like that. So, yeah, let's talk about honesty and how to really have that in, in your relationship. Yeah, I think that's a sneaky one. I think that's a very deceptive uh, way of having you grow apart or worse by not being fully honest, fully forthright. And on the one hand, you could argue, well, is it a 
you know, is it a big deal if he knows that I ended up stopping by, you know, Gap on the way home and Midas picked up a few things that, you know, no, it's not the end of the world. You know, it's not like I feel like I have to report in every thing. Mm -hmm. However, that's the part where I'm saying it, it can be deceptive because you can start kind of practicing that and then like, oh, I don't need to mention that. And, you know, yeah, I met up with so-and-so and these other people were also there, but he doesn't need to know everything, you know. The main thing is I went out to dinner or whatever. And then the next thing you know, you're in a place that you're not communicating honestly, or you find yourself in a situation, you go, now I've got a lot of explaining to do. And he's going to wonder, how, or she's going to wonder, it goes both ways, mm -hmm. you know, how did I get here? Um, and so I, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of just like full disclosure, just make it a practice. Um, like my husband calls it no shadows, just that's his, mm -hmm. that's his term for it, that there's just never... And we just don't keep secrets. And then is that something like you just, obviously it's a part of an ongoing rhythm, but mm -hmm. to start that, it would just be like, whether it's date night or just daily, just kind of sharing things that are going on. Yep. Yeah. We just try to keep close tabs. And I think sometimes when people, when people hear that, they might think of this, oh, you know, you're just like stifling or I just have to, you know, to, to list out everything I've done. No, it's not about that. It's about two close friends. And I want to know what you're doing. I want to know what you're up to. I want to know what your day looks like. And, and it's a positive thing. It doesn't have to be a negative mm -hmm. It's good. On that, because it kind of flows into this money. Money, one of the number one things in any mm -hmm. relationship, right? That can cause. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh you know, and loving your husband well in regards to money. What how, what would you say? Be, especially for, you know, when women are working, have own bank accounts, shared bank accounts, you know, have sort of agency to make the decisions and, and buying power in the home and your life and what we spend it on and how we spend it. How do you, how do you have those conversations but also have a really healthy way of money within your marriage? Well, I think it's important to talk about it. For sure. So you know what you're thinking, what matters to you, what bothers you, all of those conversations. And again, this whole full disclosure is a great way, we believe, to have it so that there's everybody sees what everybody's doing. And um, for us, like we would have all um, our main bank account, all the money goes in there. And then for convenience sake, I have a separate account that he can see as well though. So we're both on, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like, I know this is how much I have to work with this month for this purpose. And, and, and I understand complications because we both work. We also work together. We've got a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and so each little account has its name, you know, name for it. But, but the main thing is there's, there's nothing going on that we don't both either know about or could know about it if we needed to, or were interested. Mm -hmm. Um, so that there's, uh, yeah, so and I think, I, yeah, and I think the challenge too, I mean, that's good because I think a challenge too, sometimes like the argument of how you spend money, mm -hmm. like, you know, I want to get a Manny and Petty every two weeks, um, vacations, all those kinds of things. And I think it's, you know, what would be your suggestion as far as having for both sides, um, a healthy conversation on spend, because there are, you know, you're coming from family of origin where it's different spending patterns, different values on things. You know, I love trendy things. My husband, Chris, is way more buy ex more expensive things that are that will last longer and better quality. Where I like 
the trends happen and go. And I love that kind of stuff. Um, Absolutely. You know, like it's, it's like we're very different in that way. We're very different in spending. He, I'm, I'm more of obviously a, a bit of a spender. He's more of a saver. Um, and so there can be challenges. And I've heard that with my girlfriends too. Like a lot of our friends are exactly opposite in spending and in money. Um, which is really interesting, which cause, you know, can cause a lot of challenges. Well, let's just say, let's just use like, say there's a hundred dollars and it's your hundred dollars to spend, whether you decide to get one blouse for a hundred dollars, or if you decide, Hey, you know what, I'm just going to head down to, you know, the sale at Ross and, and get five, five shirts. Yeah. And right. But that's, so you both, you both have agreed that a hundred dollars is reasonable. However, how you want to spend it, that's up to you. So for us, it, that's the kind of, I would say, the kind of model that we use. Um, we agree on what's a reasonable amount in this category. And then, but there's freedom in it too, because I don't want to be micromanaged. He doesn't want to be micromanaged. Um, so that's right. our way yeah. of working that out. And I think, I, I think honest conversations, um, you know, I think are... so important on this, you know, and I think, yeah, I think for, for Chris and I, it's a one that we, you know, as we're looking at the end of this year and Christmas and the new year is a, is a really important conversation for us to have, you know, as we start the new year and, you know, some of our priorities for the year, do you do it every, do you do it, you know, with Matt, the start of every year, kind of a plan or a monthly plan, weekly plan? Does it kind of go macro to micro? Um, it's pretty much, I was going to say, cause it's not a one-time conversation. Right. It can be an ongoing conversation. Yeah. And so I would say pretty much quarterly is, you know, we have our big yearly plan, but then quarterly going over, okay, where are we at now? What priorities have changed? What income streams have changed? And we're entrepreneurs. So that changes for us sometimes. And what's that, what's that going to look like? Yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, next one. We have two more, but this is really good. And I'm going to ask you a little bit about Matt and you. But trauma. It's interesting because you kind of have like, and I had a ton. I had other ones like grace and gentleness and self-control and all these other ones. And then you've got trauma. And, I, you know, we don't talk about that a lot within the case of marriage. I mean, I talk about it within my women's show and, you know, trauma and how that impacts relationships and overall, but I've never really seen it in a book on marriage, uh, you know, like mm-hmm. loving your husband well, where you've added in trauma. It's good. I I think it's another one of the things you don't necessarily expect when you get married. Mm-hmm. You don't think, oh, we're going to, and then we're going to have trauma. And <laughs> wasn't right. really on my list of, yeah. I thought we might be richer, poorer and, you know, in sickness and health, but I think trauma should be thrown in there somewhere. Because we should. We should have been trauma and triggers. Like for rich and poor. For <laughs> you are on to something. You are so What do you think? Should we add that into? Yes. Yes. Trauma. And I'm going to read that. Lisa, yes. we found this right now. We're adding this into. It's going to transform all of the vows for marriage going forward. It totally should be in there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because you don't see trauma coming. And it does happen I hardly know anybody I think that hasn't had some kind of trauma. It could be anything from a car accident to a, mm-hmm. um, to a medical diagnosis, to a, a, a loss, a death. Like it's just, it's, it's trauma and it's, it's more, 
like Ben and I were talking about this because, well, what's the difference between trials and trauma? Because we mm-hmm. knew trials were better. And I said, for me, trials is that ongoing, you can kind of see it coming um, experience that you walk out, the right. Bible talks about. But I think trauma is what you, you see really like mostly in the Psalms. Like when he's crying out, that's not just trial. That's not that long going suffering. That is a, Lord, my heart is broken mm-hmm. or I didn't see this coming or why did this happen to me? That's trauma. And when um, I think two people can experience the same trauma, as we know, um, sometimes maybe with a child or an outside experience, but also can be one of the spouses experiences it. And that leaves that other spouse with, what do I do with this person now who doesn't even seem the same? How can I love him? How can I love her? How do we walk through this together? Wow. And so when you are faced with that and there's something happening, I, I guess it's really important to identify it, like graciously and lovingly. Like if this seems to be something and, and they're triggered all the time by it, then it definitely mm-hmm. needs some help. And like you said, some outside help, but maybe acknowledging it and, and saying lovingly, like I've noticed this. And then maybe there needs to be some kind of therapist or counselor to help in that way. Yeah, definitely. Because and I, and I, I think it's great to you, like I said, to acknowledge it, the two of you, to be open about it, to talk about it and help the other person see, this is how I see it's affecting you. Um, this might be, see how I can think it might be helped by this. And then would you be willing to talk with so-and-so about this? So can we talk about this together? Mm-hmm. Could be someone in your church, could be a really good friend, could be a professional therapist. You know, it just right. depends on you know where you're at and what your needs are. But, um, but you know, don't you think of like, I think of couples in the like older generations and how I think of my, my, my in-laws, for mm-hmm. instance, who are just recently passed away and they had trauma, but they never, Yep. Like they just carried on, right? But at the end of their life, they suffered for that. Like you could see that, that they were not, they were broken people just hanging on. Yeah. And I just think, I look back and I think, oh, only you've gotten help. I think it could have been de- different and much better. Yeah. And, I and, and it gets passed on to generation. Like when you're dealing with trauma, you are responding out of pain and brokenness in many aspects. And so... That impacts your kids who then impact their kids. I mean, and that's when we talk about generations. It really is. And so I feel like the Gen Xers, like I think, and, you know, I look at millennials and Gen Z, and they're very open on a lot of things. But I think Gen Xers on the, on the, as we get older, we really, we realize that the trauma we've experienced, we need to identify and get help with. Because I think Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older, I've realized some of the trauma I've experienced has negatively impacted in the way that I've seen myself and others and in my choices. And so I, and, and then, but realizing I need to get help with that. Whereas I would say my parents' generation, I never really heard that generation say, Oh, I think that was trauma and I'm going to go get help for it. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh no, you know what? We just have to push through, you know, this is, this is what we do. We've got our Bible and we've got, and we're just going to push through. And it's like, but you never, ever, dealt with core, you know, um, issues with trauma that happened to them. And, and, and those are, and, you know, boomers, I mean, and even older, I mean, that's war. A lot of them were, you know, war survivors and depression survivors and economic instability in huge ways survivors. Like there's a lot of, and 
families and people didn't talk about mental health of their own parents or abuse within the home. Like they never talked about that. Mm-mm. And so, so much stuff was hidden and so much of that is living in shame. And so I think that's a good reminder, Lisa. I'm glad you put that in there to identify that if there is that in the relationship, don't keep perpetuating, keep going. It, it needs to be identified. And, and even if you know, I think loving your husband, if you know that there is something, I think for all of this, and I'm being quite convicted, then you need to choose to, you know, to get help, acknowledge it, pray through it. And, you know, it's good. All right, final one. I love this one. Gospel. I like that one. And I've never heard it be put as a gospel. Like, you kind of put it as gospel. It wasn't like following Jesus together well in the same direction towards, you know, like it wasn't... (laughs) You just put Lisa gospel, you know, like it's great. So yeah, that was my eighth one. So let's talk about that. Um, why that's really important as far as far as <clears throat> loving your husband well. Okay. So I, you know, in the Bible, it talks about how the church, your marriage is a reflection of, of the gospel, the church, the bride of Christ, a reflection of the gospel. And I think we all nod our heads in assent to that. But when you start thinking about it really personally, like really personally, like me and him together, some mysterious way, we represent the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and I know you can you can take that in a negative way and go, oh well, that's a lot of pressure, <laughs> right? Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a healthy amount of pressure, but there's also there's you could also look at it, it's very inspiring and encouraging, and just saying, I want our marriage to be a picture of the gospel in mm-hmm. our own broken, unique way, but I do want that. And um, this comes to mind is uh, just a few days ago, our oldest son, he's 28, and one of his um, best friends who comes from a difficult background, uh, he's also still single, and he uh, was watching some videos of my husband and I um, at a wedding, we were all out together and we were dancing. And he said, he told my son, he said, the way your parents look at each other, he said, I've never seen that before. Hmm. And I want, I want that. I want what I saw in the way they look at each other. And, you know, Matt and I talked about that afterwards. And I just said, you know, we didn't know we were being filmed, first of all. <laughs> That's kind of awkward. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, we weren't fighting, right? But mm-hmm. also, you know, how could I possibly have known that my son's good friend, would be watching this and that the Lord would use this in some wild way to actually minister to his own hurting heart Hmm. and make him want more of the gospel. That's amazing. It's like the good news, you know, it's like this sort of like the, this incarnation, you know, even talking about Christmas, right. Of love and a relationship Mm -hmm. and how that looks in all of these different 52 ways that you've, and again, not perfectly, but choosing that it really is like a witness to the world you know it really is gospel good news to say you know we're choosing each other we're choosing to do this you know with god led by you know his spirit doing the best we can and loving in all these ways that makes so much sense that's really good it's like and then i never thought of it that way before that's like you're just sort of reframing how i'm seeing this it's like we go out you know, because I can go out individually in my work 
as a Christian women host of a show. My husband works in you know Christian organization that does international development. We can individually go do our thing and say, look at us. Or kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, demonstrating, you know, the way of Jesus and, and what to do. But I honestly just haven't really thought about the two of us also representing a beautiful way gospel and good news. And the way we love mm-hmm. and serve each other and then that, that then coming out of the way that we we love our kids and our community and our neighbors and it's good. Yeah. It really has a strong ripple effect, both yeah. certainly in your home and the people that know you, but as I, I even shared that story in, in there, you know, even perfect strangers that had an impact seeing something that's different. And that's what we want to be as believers. We want to be light in this world. And one of those ways is just loving each other well. And, um, and that's, and that is that small accumulation of daily choices mm-hmm. and growing together, forgiving one another and starting again. So amazing. Lisa, thank you so much. You know, this is such a great gift. The loving your husband. Well, this book, great gift for Christmas to start the new year. And I'm glad you and Matt wrote kind of the one side and the other. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you love most about Matt, your husband? How long have you guys been married now? We just celebrated our 30th anniversary. Congratulations. 30th anniversary. What do you love most about him? Uh, he's fun and exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm the practical, yeah. keep the rules on the ground, and he always makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, and so I love that about him. I just never know what my day holds. <laughs> <laughs> I think Chris would say that about me. I'm the opposite, too. Uh, Chris is a little bit more measured and steady, and and I do love that about him. He also has a beautiful musician and so smart, theologically, all the things, and we always laugh, and I'll say this quickly, but when, you know, I was finishing and, and sort of like ending my first marriage and going to therapy and just heartbroken about everything and the whole process of that, and I was like, this is the guy that the next guy I want, if it ever happens even though I don't think it will. And then it was everything that Chris is not. (laughs) It was everything, everything I I didn't want actually is Chris. I'm like, I don't want a worship leader. I don't want a pastor. I don't want a guy with kids. I don't want a guy who's really smart in theology. I don't like, I literally wrote a cell down. I just, it was in my head. These are things I don't want. And then Chris came in my life and it was like, all the things I don't want is Chris. And yet it just works out so beautifully because it's actually the right mix for both of us as the whole on the things you know what I mean it's it's really again beautiful picture of God's love and redemption and second chance and opportunity and so it's been it's been really fun I mean it's been challenging but really fun and uh so thank you for this thank you for this your words I learned a lot Lisa it was great to spend time with you uh Merry Christmas Happy New Year uh, to you and your family and to Matt. And I just loved it. It was like a perfect conversation about love and loving my husband and loving God well. And so thank you. Thank you so much. You. Where can we get Very the book? Good. Where can we get the book? Your devotional? It's on Amazon. All the major bookstores have it. Christian books. All of them. So Beautiful. it should be there. And there's, you can get it as a bundle as well. So if you wanted Oh, the both two both? Them. Okay. Yes. So that's also available. Very nice. Well, what a gift. Thank you so much for being on this week of Christmas. 
and to our listeners and viewers as you choose to love well and as you choose love. Jesus, the Savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, know that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. Merry Christmas. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Lisa, for being with us. And have yourself a very, very Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.